Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. things in my uh, lead-off list at the top of this hour. I'm skipping them all in lieu of a story about Fred. Um, So Fred is a 12-year-old kid, and last night uh, Fred completed um, a 5K. And you say to yourself, and it took Fred like 15 days to complete the 5K, you say to yourself, well, Fred runs really slow. Well, Fred has um, cerebral palsy. And Fred and his mom have spent more than 600 nights at the Ronald McDonald House in St. Petersburg, Florida, um, in the last, over the last eight years. Because Fred wants to walk um, what he describes as free. He wants to walk freely. He does not want to um, walk with uh, a walker or with leg braces or with crutches or with canes. And um, the the COVID pandemic complicated or slowed Fred's therapy. And so at some point along the way, Fred determined he was going to run a 5K and help raise money for the Ronald McDonald House there in uh, in Tampa Bay. Well, Fred uh, completed, I guess he's 11, sorry. I gave him, an, I gave him a year there. Um, Fred completed his 5K last night, and um, I just wanted to celebrate Fred today. That was it. Um, Fred, uh, and maybe we should be celebrating Fred's mom and Fred's uh, extended family and the people at the Ronald McDonald House and people who are committed to children's health and people who are um, striving in ways that uh, you and I don't have to strive today. Of all the things you're going to strive to do today, for most of us, for many of us, um, walking is not one of them. I remember conversations that I've had with uh, Johnny Erickson Tata about um, what it's like to live unable to do things that you know are a part of God's uh, original design. I mean, God originally did not design us to have cerebral palsy. He did not originally design us to be um, uh, confined, as Johnny Erickson Tata is, uh, to a wheel to a wheelchair due to an accident that she suffered when she was a teenager. But both Fred and Johnny are examples of what it looks like to um, walk by faith and not by sight every single day, moment by moment, um, because you can live free. You can live free. And so I want to emphasize this morning the freedom that we have in Christ, the freedom that we have to pray, the freedom that we have to be in God's word, the freedom that we have to do good to others, the freedom that we have to choose our words, the freedom that we have to invest in ministries that are advancing the kingdom, the freedom that we have to come alongside others as they pursue their dreams, even if it is something as seemingly simple as uh, walking a 5K over 15 days. So 
I want you to use your freedom today. I want you to find a way to use the liberty that God has given you. Um, and not only to live free, but to come alongside someone else who is striving today in ways that are really remarkable. All right, next up, I've got Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. I don't even know yet. I haven't looked at my notes. I don't know what Bill and I are talking about. Let me check. Uh, Bill, let's see. What, what have I got with Bill this morning? I'm just kidding. Bill and I will be right back. We're going to talk about small businesses. We're going to talk about uh, being unequally yoked in business and what that experience is like. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. spend a lot of time at work. Bill English is here week to week to help us integrate our biblical worldview into what we are doing in our workaday world. You can find him at BibleAndBusiness.com. Bill, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. How are you doing today? Okay. I, I admitted to Paul uh, <laughs> both yesterday and today, I'm going to have to switch out <clears throat> my brand of coffee pods because yesterday and today, I'm like, li- I mean, I normally talk fast. I normally have a lot to say. I normally get a lot said. Yesterday and today, I'm 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 wound pretty tight. I don't know what else to tell you. It's unwinding. Well, but you're naturally internally caffeinated to begin with, right? So you the coffee so? pots, I do. I really do. I think you got an engine inside of you that never really slows down. <laughs> I am um, endlessly curious. That's I think my my if, if I have like one God given attribute. That's it. I am I am endlessly curious. There's really not a topic or a person or a subject matter area that uh, that I don't find fascinating. And that's why you're really good at what you do here. Well, at thank Faith you. Radio. I said thank you. Seriously. I set that ball on the tee. Thank you for um, thank you for hitting it. OK, um, one of the head- <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> one of the headlines today that did not exist uh, when you and I set up the conversation for today is that the CDC um, is you know basically announcing that you can't evict anyone, no residential evictions, and an eviction moratorium, um, and it's going to prevent you know they say it's going to prevent the further spread of COVID nineteen. Um, so we will talk in the future about wow what that is going to mean um, in the residential uh, rental market. But I'd love to talk with you about retail evictions because those yeah. uh, there's no moratorium on that, and we're beginning to see those. Yeah, we are, actually. This is coming from a New York Times article. And by the way, I have to wonder, does the CDC have the authority to tell landlords they can't evict people? So so they do, because the federal government gave them that authority. Yeah, yeah. Really? They have it. Yeah, I know. I don't know what else to tell you. I I tell you what, the most powerful people in our governments these days are bureaucrats. I'm I'm just— Fourth, I'm that just fourth saying. branch. Yeah, no question. Yeah. So anyways, back to uh, business evictions. Look, uh, the evictions are now on the rise. And the reason why they are on the rise is because the PPP money, the EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loans, EIDL, the EIDL money, uh, that's all been dispersed. And uh, um, now while the EIDL money was really quite sizable, so was the PPP. But most of that has already been spent by these businesses um, throughout the months of May, June, and July. And now we're into 
really we're in September now, and a number of these folks. <laughs> I uh, missed it too, by the way. I missed these, August as well. Go ahead. We are in September. Yeah. We are in September. A lot of these business owners have just, they're behind on their rent, and the landlords understandably are trying to get the rent from them so that uh, they can stay current with the banks. But, uh, you know, but the reality is there's a, <clears throat> there's a domino effect here. The banks are starting to feel the pinch as well. And so everybody is feeling this pinch, and the only recourse for the landlords uh, at some point is to simply evict people in the hopes that they can get somebody else in there who can pay the rent, and then they can stay afloat. The landlords can stay afloat themselves. So that's we're seeing the beginnings of all that. And we knew this was coming. We, we know this is going to happen. <clears throat> this is really going to take full effect, I think, after the election and into Q1 of next year. But uh, these are kind of the first winds of the hurricane that are starting to hit the shore. So uh, all politics is ultimately local and all economics are ultimately home economics. And so I'm just going to give a very brief illustration from my own tiny, tiny, tiny little town. We have or had had uh, prior to COVID-19, we had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six retail businesses on Main Street in my little town. Um, That probably tells you something right there. Two churches a public library, and five retail businesses. That's it. That's all that's on Main Street in my little town. So um, two of those retail businesses have closed because they found places to relocate where the cheap, where the, where the cheap, where the rent was so much less. Yep. So part of what I think we are seeing as well is landlords are, are saying, all right, what do I actually have to have to cover my nut? And um, and reducing rents in vacant spaces. And so in addition to evictions, I just think we're just going to see a lot of movement of small businesses. Yeah, we will. But think about, and we can talk about this after the break, but think about how these um, how the banks are going to view these landlords if they are cutting their rents and cutting their profitability. That puts the banks at risk with the underwriters and with uh, and with their ratios, and so hmm. th- there is a domino effect here. But all right, the domino you know. effects with you are almost never good. I just have to say that right out. So uh, <laughs> um, we're going to take a very brief break, and when we come uh, come back, um, uh, Bill and I are actually going to pivot uh, topics here, and we're going to talk about being unequally yoked in business. Um, how do you? exist if you are unequally yoked in business and um and maybe how do you avoid becoming so that's up next here on mornings with carmen continuing my conversation with bill english from bible and business.com uh, all right i am gonna pivot topics here and and get you talking about this blog that you have posted at BibleAndBusiness.com entitled Unequally Yoked. Now, when I think about uh, being unequally yoked, it is generally a relational conversation about marriage. I'm generally having it either with uh, a woman who is trying to be the Holy Spirit in her marriage to her unsaved husband, um, or it is a conversation that I am having with a couple of, uh, of people who think they want to marry one another but only one of whom is a Christian. 
That's not this conversation. So talk with us about uh, unequally yoked as it applies to business. Well, unequally yoked, uh, the whole concept comes from from 1 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 17. I won't read the whole thing, but it says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And Paul asks the question, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What is, And, and, he, and he goes on to expand on that. And so um, it just seems to me that when you apply it in business, it gets a little bit murky. And where my blog post comes down is in the area of avoiding becoming mismatched with someone that does not work well with you or together with you, okay? Uh, and so what, is, what does unequally yoke look like in business? Well, I, I grew up thinking that it meant that Christians could not be in a partnership or in business with, with the unsaved, with non-Christians. We'd have but, pretty small businesses. We'd have pretty small businesses, and uh, you wouldn't have you wouldn't be salt and light in in the places where you need to be in business if you really held to that hard and fast. So, um, and and the reality is that even good partnerships that start out as good partnerships, even between Christians, <clears throat> over time they can change and move in a direction which either causes you to sin or causes the other person to sin, or it creates an imbalance uh, between you and your partners and deters you from fulfilling God's call on your life. So it seems to me that being unequally yoked in business really has to do with the yoke. You know, when, when you take two oxen, I mean, the, 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 the concept is you take an oxen and say, a, I don't know, a dog, and you try to put a yoke on them and see if they can pull the plow down the field. But if you get two oxen that are of the same size and, and, all, and strength and all that, put a yoke on them, then they can pull the plow down the field. So really, using that analogy, what I, what I look at here is, um, am, I, am I able, if, if I'm yoked with somebody else, can I get out of that yoke in order to continue to fulfill God's purposes the way he has defined them for my life? And, and can I continue to follow the Lord if the yoke is starting to take me in the wrong direction? And so that's how I that's how I look at that. You know, personally, Carmen, I recently joined uh, Platinum as a partner. You know, I and uh, and I'd say Platinum is about half Christian, half not. And there are some people, some of the partners in, in at Platinum are clearly not Christian. Not now, they're not anti-religion, they're not anti-God, but they're not Christians. And yet I'm a partner with them, but I'm a partner with eight other people. And so, you know, one of the things I looked at in the partner agreement was, if I need out, can I get out? And there was a very clear way to get out. It was an easy way to get out, and it would not uh, be that expensive to either side. And so it just seems to me that that being unequally yoked, I, I, I tend to focus on, are you locked in to something that could really go bad, and do you have a way to get out? So that's how I look at it. I think that um, part of what you said is going to really surprise people, and that is the conversation about um, intentionally becoming um, yoked to, at a partnership level, right, um, non-Christians. I know that there are people listening right now who are saying to themselves, now I could understand going to work for uh, a company which, you know, that I recognize is is for profit and and secular and, and all of those things. Um but you're talking about making a real investment and, and tying your life in significant ways 
um, to people who are non-believers. Walk us through that because um, that's a um, that's a different level of conversation than I think most people have probably thought through. Well, let me, let me ask some questions as I I'll, I'll, and I will try to walk us through this. But my thinking comes down to uh, a number of just pragmatic situations. How does mm-hmm. a Christian join a major law firm in their city? As how a does a Christian be a lawyer? See, right? So no, no, no. I think come it gets, on now. Come no, no, on no, now. no, no, no. That's my point. That's no, exactly, exactly. But I think that's the level of the conversation we have to have. Christians can be lawyers. Chris, Christians can be bankers. Christians can right. be politicians. Christians can, can be talk show radio hosts. Christians can be right. Not all of the. I guess what I was trying to get you to do, Bill, is to acknowledge that we tend to categorically paint things as secular and therefore off limits to Christians. And um, and you are exactly right when you talk about the calling um, of every Christian to be salt and light in every environment at every moment and to take every opportunity to advance um, the witness of Christ in places where, you know, there aren't necessarily other believers. So um, I appreciate the uh, the conversation and the um, the provocation for Christians to enter more fully into relationships with non-Christians. I just think it's a conversation that we don't often have um, among Christians. I agreed. And, you know, the more the, as, as I'm finishing up the manuscript for my book, I got to tell you, I am thousand percent more convinced that God calls most people to what we normally think of as secular vocations. Absolutely. And he calls us there to be salt and light and to bring a Christian ethos into that environment. And if we can't partner legally with non-Christians in business, uh, we're really going to be isolated. <clears throat> you know, I, I think of I think of uh, a Christian joining an accounting firm, a law firm, a financial firm, uh, where you've got, in, in some cases, at least here in Minneapolis, we've got some law firms that have, you know, four, five, six hundred lawyers, mm-hmm. and they've got, you know, 300 partners. Well, how do you partner in that situation? It's all legal, but there's always a way out. And so um, I look at this and I say, does the partnership, does the yoke keep me from either fulfilling who God has intended me to be, or does it cause me to sin? If so, I need to get out. So when I join Platinum as a partner, and I know we're, we're bumped up, uh, up against the clock okay. here, but, but when I when I joined Platinum as a partner, I had a heart-to-heart with uh, the founder his name is Dean. And I and I talked with Dean and I said, look, I want to continue to do faith radio. I want to continue to write my book. I want to continue to do Bible and business. And he and I talked about it. And he said, well, A, it's not competitive. And B, uh, he didn't say it in these words, but he said, look, that's who God is calling you to, uh, to be and to do. Uh, you need to keep doing that. And so that was that was why I felt, le- you know, literally led to become a partner at at the Platinum Group. And so uh, partnerships unequally yoked to me means if, if if it's a bad yoke, I can't get out. And if I'm being forced to sin, I have no choice but to sin. Um, so to my my advice to those of you looking at partnerships out there, one of the points to look at is can I get out if I need to? And if you're not willing to build those instruments, the buy-sell agreements and the other contractual agreements so that you can get out if you need to, uh, then don't get into the partnership in the first place. Uh, 
you need those legal ways out. As always, man, I really appreciate our conversations. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. That's Bill English. You can find him at BibleAndBusiness.com. The blog post we've been discussing today, Unequally Yoked in Business. Thanks, Bill. You bet. We'll be right back. I had an extensive conversation last week, actually on August the 26th, with Travis Wusso uh, calling us to confront China's persecution of the Uyghur people. would encourage you to go to MyFaithRadio.com, uh, click on the podcast link, and scroll down in the Mornings with Carmen podcast until you reach one. Um, well, it includes Bill English on changing the Dow Jones and community f- flourishing. That'll be what you see at the uh, at the lead. And then a call to confront China's persecution of the Uyghurs. For more on what... Um, what our friend John Stone Street there from uh, from Breakpoint was just talking about. All right, next up, I've got Adam Weber. We're going to talk about his new book, Love Has a Name. And you're saying to yourself, well, of course love has a name. Um, yeah, this is a guide to helping Christians reach out to people who are different and difficult to love. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So two weeks uh, from now, we'll be in the midst of what we call Fall Share here at the Faith Radio Network. And between now and then, we would appreciate it if those of you who listen and whose lives are impacted by this radio ministry, we'd love to hear your share stories or for you to share your stories of the influence and impact that this ministry has in your life so that we might share those stories during share in order that others might be invited into Uh, the support of this radio ministry. So this is a listener-supported ministry, listeners like you. Um, And when you share your listener impact story or your testimony, your faith story, um, your faith radio story, then we have an opportunity to invite other people to help us extend that kind of grace to more and more people. So please share your story with us at MyFaithRadio.com. You can also call the Faith Line at 877-933-2484. You can always email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks in advance for sharing in Fall Share. Think about the Christian you want to be. What qualities do you want to have? More compassion, more conviction, more courage? What attitudes do you want to discontinue? Greed, guilt, endless negativity? You see, with God's help, you can. You can close the gap between the person you are and the person you want to be. Indeed, the person God made you to be. You can live from glory to glory. To inherit your inheritance is God's vision for your life. Imagine the thought, you as you were intended. It's a life that is yours for the taking. Now, expect to be challenged. The enemy will not go down without a fight. But God's promises outweigh personal problems. Victory becomes, dare we imagine, a way of life. Isn't it time for you to change your mailing address from the wilderness to the promised land? Are you ready to march? This is Max Lucado. Joining me now is pastor and author 
Adam Weber. He's the founder and lead pastor of Embrace. It's a multi-site church based in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So for those of you who are listening to us this morning in the Sioux Empire on AM 1270, uh, my guess is Adam is a guy you know quite well. For those of you who are not familiar with Adam, going to encourage you to check him out at adamweber.com. Adam, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. It is so good to be here. It's a beautiful morning and excited just to have the time with you. Well, we're um, we're, we're thrilled to have you um, with us this morning. This is a fun book. It's a challenging book. Love has a name. Um, what you're really seeking to do here is to get those of us who know that we are first and second commandment people to actually love other people um, who are, you know, frankly, kind of hard to love. Yeah, I, I, I wrote the book. It's kind of crazy enough. I wrote the book uh, in the first time in my life that I didn't want to love anybody except my wife and kids and a few close friends, and that's about it. And uh, for really growing up, I would say that one of my strong suits, I don't have many, but one of my strong suits is the gift of gab, the gift of joy, and the gift of just genuinely loving people. Well, a few years back, I got to the place where I didn't want to love anybody. I, I, I was just kind of jaded. I was hurt. And so for the first time, I'm like, God, I don't want to love anybody. But just as you said, Jesus says the most important things is loving him and loving others. And so it's like, Adam, you can't stay in this place. And so I just began this journey of what does it look like to love somebody when I don't want to love somebody? And what does it look like to really allow Jesus to empower me to love other people? And so I just started thinking about all the different people in my life who had shown me the love of Jesus. It's easy to focus on the people who have wronged us and hurt us. I'm guessing if I asked any of the listeners, who are the people who have hurt you the worst, we'd be able to quickly list those people off. But when it comes to who are the people who have shown you the love of Jesus, we, we might struggle a little bit at first. Well, you know, my mom and my, my sister or my brother, my classmate, my coach. And it's like, what would change if we began to focus on all the people who have shown us the love of Jesus? It would change a whole bunch. I, uh, I saw a, a video um, of a basketball player um, who was giving a speech uh, in the presence of his Georgetown, former Georgetown coach. And, and you know, there's people listening right now, bas- basketball fans who probably know this story. But he, he said, um, you saved my life. And whether or not that coach was operating out of a Christian worldview or operating, you know, you know with a uh, first and second love commandment mandate in his life, I don't know. But I do know that that's the kind of um, hope and encouragement and life change and transformation that we as Christians ought to be provoking um, when others stand up to bear witness to who we are and what we've done. People ought to be able to point to us as Christians and say, you saved my life. Like by introducing people to Jesus, um, by sharing the love of Christ with them and then walking with them, hopefully into a vital relationship with him. You know, that we would be at a place as a culture where the thing that we would share in common with one another is really the ultimate thing that matters. That, there's that, a question. Right. There's a question in there somewhere, I'd, but you're going to have to find it. Yeah, no, there's definitely a question in there. I, I actually think like such a time as this for us as followers of Jesus to be a city on a hill, to be a light mm-hmm. that you would never put under a basket uh, it, it, on a bright day, when it's really, really sunny, you take a flashlight out 
And it's almost hard to even see if the flashlight's on. You sometimes have to look like look directly into the flashlight. Yeah, it's on. It's on. But when it's dark outside, you can even take one of those cheap flashlights that they hand out at parades where you push the sides and it glows and there's a business on the side of it. And it looks like a front headlight of a car. Well, right now, our, our world feels dark. I mean, there's just a lot of heaviness with, with the election, with the virus, with, with, with racism right now. Like, there's it's just a lot of darkness. What a time to be a light. And when we begin to even resemble just an ounce or a glimpse of the love of Jesus, which is full of grace and truth, by the way, when we get, when we just resemble even an ounce of that, people will begin to notice. And, and I've had people in my own life, actually, chapter two is um, about my best friend, Jake. And I'm, 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 I don't know where Jake's at. I'm pretty sure he's not a Christian just from our conversations. And yet he has shown me so clearly what the love of Jesus is. And so even people who don't follow the Lord can be used by God. But for those of us who do follow Christ, Lord, would you please help our attitudes and our words and our actions to resemble yours? Because when they do, people will be irresistibly drawn to the Jesus inside of us. No matter who we are, no matter what position we have, no matter how big our house is, when we get when we get to re- resemble Jesus, it's amazing what can happen. And I, I know even for myself, it's transformed every part of me. I mean, I have all these different people, most of them who have no huge followings or platforms online that have shown me the love of Jesus. And it's changed me in profound ways. I'm talking with pastor and author... Adam Weber, we're talking uh, specifically about his book, Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. Paul, I've got copies, don't I? Don't I have copies to give You away? have copies to I give do, away. I do, I yes. do. Hey, hey, hey. Yes. Um, hey, uh, text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for one of the three copies we have in studio of Love Has a Name. When we come back, I am going to ask Adam about his longing for sheep. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus uh, says he's got other sheep in a fold about which we don't know. He's got to bring them also. Uh, In Isaiah, we are reminded that like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. Uh, Many of us are familiar with uh, Psalm 23. Um, I want to talk about sheep. Adam Weber is here. He is a pastor uh, of the Embrace Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, You can find him at adamweber.com. We're talking today. We're supposed to be talking um, about his brand new book, Love Has a Name. But there is a, a sentence in his bio that caught my attention. And so I thought that I better raise it up. So in addition to a wife and kids, which we celebrate, um, you are uh, you are a person who has seven chickens, two dogs, and three fish, but really wants a sheep. And so as a person who recognizes that you have a very large congregation, I'm wondering who the chickens, the dogs, and the fish are and then why nobody is following you faithfully as their shepherd? This is of concern to me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's so good. 
I I want I just want one sheep, not even not even two. <laughs> but unfortunately, my wife in the city of Sioux Falls both uh, have said that I'm unable to have a sheep in the middle of Sioux Falls. So I I think that's gonna have to be another another day, another time. But yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, all right. Well, so uh, I happen to um, have chickens and dogs. We do not have fish. We do not have sheep. We do have cows. So anyway, uh, there. I am with you in uh, in this desire to uh, to have animals about because it does. It's it reminds us um, we're supposed to be fishers of men. So I'm glad you've got those fish. Uh, we're certainly supposed to be lead, leading people. Um, I don't know, to cry out at sunrise? Is that the roosters? And then, you know, we certainly want to love people like hens where we draw them in under our wings. You see, I feel like you could write a children's book series at your house with uh, with all of these uh, things, and then you could long for that one sheep. That'd be good. That, that, uh, no, that's absolutely true. My, actually, my very first sermon I ever preached was about the lost sheep. And I, I was in seminary at the time living in Kentucky. And so I went driving through the countryside of Kentucky until I found someone with sheep and I met a man named Dinky and he began to tell me all about the sh- about sheep and it's insane how powerful the story of the lost sheep is when you begin to understand sheep and the fact that Jesus says my sheep will know my voice and uh gosh there, there's there's so much there we can go on forever talking about sheep that's some good sermon preparation it was it, it was definitely a great sermon prep it was probably one of my favorite times of sermon prep I've ever had I love that. All right. Um, back to the book that we're talking about today, Love Has a Name. We're really um, learning how to love people who are different or difficult and everyone else. That's the subhead. And so if loving people is a challenge for you, if you've got a particular, particularly difficult person in your life who you know you're called to love, um, I invite you to text the word book to 877-933-2484. And enter uh, to get one of these complimentary copies of Love Has a Name that we have in studio. Adam, the book is filled with stories. It's really um, narrative is a great way of helping people see the people around them and how they might respond differently in those situations. I'd love for you to just tell us um, maybe one of the stories um, from the book. Could be the story about joy. Um, I liked that one a lot. Um, but you tell us one. You tell us one of the stories that comes yeah, to mind yeah. um, from the book. No, Joy's is is a, a fantastic chapter. And more than that, she's an amazing person. So I, I first came across Joy uh, when I was in high school. My parents owned a small uh, hardware store that was not a great financial decision. My dad was an electrician before that, but was in a car accident, unable to be an electrician anymore. So he bought a hardware store. Uh, financially, it didn't go well. And so um, after years of trying to figure out a different way, my parents filed for bankruptcy. One of the lowest moments of my my dad specifically of his life, he felt he felt like it was so dishonest to not repay someone, someone that you had promised to repay. And it was actually our local pastor who finally convinced my dad and said, you can't do this. And that's why there's this thing called bankruptcy, Jim. You haven't been dishonest. So he filed for bankruptcy and we, we, we began to re, like try to figure out where are we going to move to? Uh, we, we had to move to a different town to get a different job. Well, my parents could no longer take out a loan. Uh, and that's when Joy stepped into the picture. She heard about my parents' situation and she said, hey, I heard about the, your story and what you've gone through. And I want to personally help you um, be able to build a home. And my parents said, that's great, but we can't take out a loan. And she said, no, I will personally finance it my, myself. And, you know, 
that just felt too good to be true. There's got to be strings attached. It's got to be a bad loan, like all this kind of thing. And she said, no, there's no strings attached. I just want to help you out. I've heard about your family. So she did. And really in that moment, she rescued my dad and, and from just shame, honestly, of not being able to even buy a home when they had been so financially at a great place when he was an electrician. And so really just rescued us. Well, well, my dad's leg uh, got rehabilitated through that business that failed. His, his legs were completely restored. So he began to look back to being an electrician again. Joy found out and she said, Jim, I hear you're going to be an electrician again. I'd love to hire you to wire one of my houses that I'm building for somebody else. Uh, and so she hired mm. my dad. My dad just loved working for her, just loved working for her. So he began, he did that house. And then she said, how about you do all my houses? And so he began to do all her houses. Well, then a couple of summers, I indirectly worked for Joy because I worked for my dad as an electrician over the summers. And one day Joy called out to my dad and I, and she said, I want to tell you about something I've been praying about. And so she led us out into this pasture out in the middle of nowhere, wide open rolling hills. And she said, I have a love for horses. And for the last however many years, I've been helping wounded warriors, wounded veterans who have come back and are maybe struggling with PTSD. And there's something about riding a horse that helps. And I've been, I've been helping kids that have been abused. And, and there's, some, there's something about working with horses that kind of just helps heal the soul. But I want to do that on a bigger level. And so what I'm thinking about doing is I, I think I'm going to build this western town out here. And she began to tell us about this main street and all these stables and stuff. And I'm like, she has completely lost her mind. <laughs> and so she, 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 she showed us that years later, like this is probably six, seven years later, I'm driving on the interstate and I see a sign that says Joy Ranch. And I'm like, I wonder what Joy Ranch is about. And then I saw Joy Ranch sign again. Finally, I told my dad, I'm like, dad, what's this Joy Ranch thing? And he said, Adam, it's, it's Joy it's, it's the ranch she told us she was going to build. And he said, what she described to us is not even a fraction of what it actually is. I said, no way. And, uh, and Joy, throughout her life, here's what she's done. She's a very simple person. She simply has taken what she has. She's put it in the hands of Jesus and allowed him to multiply it. In the story, uh, in the Bible, there's a story of uh, there's thousands of people that are following Jesus, and it comes to the point where they all start to get hungry. And so the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, what are we going to do with all these people? They need to be fed. They need to go. They need to go find food. And Jesus is like, no, we're going to feed them here. What do you have? And we're told that this young boy have some, has some bread and some fish. Uh, in one of the translations, they call him a young lad. I always thought that was good. We don't know his name. All we know is what he has in his hands. And he takes those things and he puts it in the hands of Jesus. And as we, we've we maybe heard the story before, Jesus multiplies this fish and bread and ends up feeding these thousands of people. And there's baskets full left over. And when I, when I think about, and I think about joy, I just think that's what she's done. She's taken what she's had. She's put it in the hands of Jesus and Jesus has multiplied it. And I, I want, and so that's joy, and that's something that every single one of us is able to do. And you might say, "Well, I'm not a realtor who's been successful in Watertown, South Dakota. Like that's not my my story." But what is our story is what do we have? What what do we uniquely have? Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's passion. Maybe it's time. Maybe it is resources. And and anytime we hoard those things to ourselves, it's almost like. Uh, in the Israelites, they tried to hoard bread and anytime they'd try to keep the manna, it would just start to rot and mold. 
you see that whenever you hold on to stuff, it just kind of stinks up your life. But whenever you begin to generously offer it to others, and more importantly, begin to put it in the hands of Jesus, it's amazing what God can do. And the story he can write is so much better than the story that we can write on our own. And and I, I just, I just one, the thing I love specifically about that story of the young boy is I'm actually glad we don't know his name, but we do know the name of Jesus. And I, I think for everyone listening, true success is getting to the end of our lives and being used in so many fantastic ways by God. And people are left saying to themselves, I can't remember his name. I know he's a pastor, he's bald, and he's got a beard. I can't remember his name, but I I remember what Jesus did through him. I don't know her name, but I know what Jesus did through her. Amen. Amen. I just love it. Adam Weber, thank you so much. Um, I am going to have to uh, check out Joy Ranch. Um, Let me give a shout out to Jeff Rupp in Sioux Falls. Dude, I'm going to have to come and visit you, and we're going to have to go spend some time with Adam, and we're going to have to track down Joy. There you go. That's my uh, big plan. Love has a name. Adam Weber, thank you so much for joining us today. You guys can find him at adamweber.com. The book is Love Has a Name. If you want to enter for one of the copies we have available, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. All right, we are completely out of time um, today, but, you know, here's the good news. You can grab today's podcast at myfaithradio.com. Um, you can share it with someone new. If you are if you know people in South Dakota, I mean, clearly we got to share this word with them, right? Um, I have Googled it. There are still campsites available this weekend at Joy Ranch, apparently, if you want to go camp out for Labor Day weekend. See, cool stuff. All kinds of stuff you're learning today uh, on Mornings with Carmen. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.